is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to the drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. Matt, it's been a while. I've been on I the guess air. it has been a while. I've been on the air with you in 24 you, hours. <laughs> the drive has been a while, though. The drive it has been a while. We yeah. haven't been on the drive uh, since last Wednesday. We now have a Steelers draft in the books. How about that? We had the Van Halen coming in there. I did. I can't remember which day it was now because they've all run together for me. But I was watched. Uh, a thing on the early Van Halen, the early years. Oh, okay. Um, where they went through all the talked to a bunch of guys that knew them back when they were in high school and stuff. Like oh, that. wow. Talked about how they used to go in the Anaheim area and play all these uh, parties. Um, before, they took the world by storm. Before though, right? this, this is like 1973, 74, before they had hit it big. And they, okay. were, they were the favorite band for everybody to have at their street party. I bet. And it, it would usually, uh, they'd get like two or three songs in, and then the police would show up because oh, they were right. so loud. But <laughs> yeah, Big crowds, I'm sure. Yeah. Go see Van Halen at 74 <laughs> on the street corner or whatever. Uh, but anyways, uh, Steelers uh, and everybody else, really, uh, getting their draft to completed this year. Um, you know, I, I think you, you look at what they did uh, in, in the draft. They obviously had a plan. Very much the, so. And the plan was to fix the running game. Yeah, the offense, especially the running game. I, I think they really had a plan of what pockets in the draft they were going to attack, which positions, you know. The, the overall depth at each position, there were certainly some themes of the draft class, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Of course, in the first round, the Steelers take Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. It's not, not a huge surprise there. I think we ended up both mocking him to the Steelers. Many, many times. Yeah, many times. Uh, round two, they take Pat Fryermuth, the tight end out of Penn State. I did have a mock where I had hit them, them taking him in the second round. But a lot of the mocks that I did, he wasn't available in the second round. In the round. second round, yeah. yeah, I could see that. Um, so I that, didn't see that one coming. I mean, even at the time, I said, "Well, this run the card up for Creed Humphrey." And yeah, you know, I want to talk about it more, but you know, we're just kind of go over an overview here. But well, we can, uh, it's we growing on me more and more. The whole segment here, we can talk about. That. Okay. So here's the the more I've thought about these two picks, I think they're very similar for a lot of reasons. So I'm going to go on a little rant here, in that anyone listened to us before thought that, or we thought, that there were three running backs that can fix the Correct. problem. Not that Trey Sermon or whoever can't have great careers, but three of them you're real happy with. That it's telling fixed. that after the Steel, after the top three backs went, another running back wasn't taken until after the Steelers' pick right. in round three, and it was Sermon. The and next after pick the, after Kendrick Green was taken. And after the Steelers picked Harris... The next pick was a back, yeah, and then quickly after Denver trades up or in the second pick of the third or second round, like these guys were covered it around the league. Everyone agrees with what yeah. we're saying on that. I mean, the league proved it to us. But I think tight ends really similar. It was similar, yeah. Pitts is its own beast. Yeah, I mean, he's a top five pick. He's he's a unicorn. He's a, but the highest then, tight end ever drafted in in NFL history. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, so you, I don't even know if you can you, you count him in the conversation. No, I'm not, especially yeah. from a Steeler perspective. Like, we, so realistically, you got the guy who is. You also got your one, choice at the you, position. Yeah, though. you kind of got one B at the tight end position. 
But it's similar to Harris. I mean, yeah. he was your favorite guy right. that isn't out of And you knew world. you weren't going to have you weren't going to get a chance to pitch. That, that, that was my point with it. You got the number one running back mm-hmm. in the draft. They're never in a position to do that. No, no, no. And you got arguably the the top tight end, not named Kyle Pitts in the it's draft, and P- Kyle Pitts show, is a unicorn. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And, and to that point, I mean, and we talked about this a lot pre-draft, like the running backs, how many tight ends in this class, Pitts aside, would you have been really happy that, boy, I think we may have fixed this problem? To me, it's Tremble, Long, and Fryermuth, and I'd much rather Fryermuth than yeah. the other two. And I think the other two were more third-round picks. If they had mm-hmm. taken one Tremble of those guys at 55, I think that's too early. Right. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I don't think you'd consider them that early. Yeah. So, if you look at their last couple of drafts, they've thrown some mid to late round picks at running backs and tight ends, and enough's enough. Like yeah. that ain't getting it done. You know. Right. I mean, you're it, trying to catch lightning in a bottle with right. one of those guys. It hasn't happened. Right. Um, so you you take the outliers again. You get the best players at their position. Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to taking the sixth offensive tackle or the you know. Mm-hmm. In this case, it would have been the second-rated center, right? Or it could have been. I mean, Creed Humphrey could have been one, but the difference was to me. See, I think Green's still in the same tier. That's where I was going to say. We talked about this. There are five or six centers going into this draft Mm -hmm. that you look and go, "That guy could step in and play, if if not right away, early in this season." Right, and I'm not going to talk about both sides of my mouth because I I haven't thought about it in this light as much, and I'm sure the Steelers did. When the second round came around, I said, oh, Creed Humphrey's an easy pick, plug-and-play starter. And I would rather have Humphrey than Green. But not by much. Not by a lot. They're all on the yeah. same tier. And um, Wisconsin Whitewater dude would have been on that tier. And you know, I'm sure they looked at it and said, this is our one shot at a tight end. He's a starter, too. Yeah. And or just to show you that there was that. no real consensus on that, Myers from Ohio State went before Creed Humphrey. Yeah, right. Did he? Yeah, he went like a one or two picks before okay. Creed Humphrey. Okay. So there was five of them or so yeah. in that neighborhood. I mean, just because everybody says, well, the, you know, the, the, all the rankings say this. Yeah, but. You also don't have all the information. Yeah. You know, we don't either, you know. So I thought they got two starters that, oh, by the way, are extremely quarterback friendly. And I'm talking about old Ben, but I'm really talking about whoever the new dude is. You know, big catching radiuses easy throws to those two players. Um, I'm pretty sure – I remember the year Cincinnati took Tyler Eifert in the first and Gio Bernard in the second. And I'm almost positive that was the year after they took Andy Dalton. That was 2013, yeah. And I remember writing articles, these are Andy Dalton-friendly picks. You know, you got to remember who your quarterback yeah. is, and in this case, who it's going to be. Tight ends and receiving backs that also are big for their size are really quarterback-friendly. Yeah, Um so then they, they follow up in the third round. They take Kendrick Green, mm-hmm. who is a favorite of this show. and Yeah, big time. Um, you know, we were And not that much different than Humphrey. To no, I, I think, in fact, there are some things that he does better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if you're looking for – you know, Humphrey's more of a technician. Um, if you're looking for somebody who's going to be a road grader, I think Kendrick Green is more that. I think he's more explosive off the ball. Yeah. You know, and probably maybe have a higher ceiling, too. Yeah, might even be more athletic overall. Maybe – Humphrey changes direction he does. well, and he does. is a pretty good, pretty good athlete. But he's left-handed. 
Yeah. <laughs> green runs better. Yeah, green's you know, a straight line. Better. I mean, right, right. It, again, it goes back to the, the old Merrill Hodge conversation with the Bears, and they're, t- mm. they're, they're he goes to the Bears, and they're asking him how the Steelers ran a certain play, and he says, well, we have the center, you know, gets out here and makes this block, mm-hmm. and they're like, what? Yeah, right. And the green can do those Green can do those control. kind of things, yeah. A little bit more of a work in progress than Humphrey as a protection guy, um, but... I think he'll get it. I mean, he's a really hard yeah. worker, super energetic. And, and center's not really a spot where you look at and go, boy, my center better be really good in protection. It's more of a no, health right, position right, most right. of the time anyways. Yeah, and he'll improve. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's bad anyway. Yeah. Um, the other thing about that, uh, Kevin Colbert was on with, uh, I believe, Stan Saverin today and said that the Steelers felt that if Kendrick Green had played more than the four career starts that he had at center, mm-hmm. he would have been drafted higher. That's Makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I'm sure they're in some draft rooms. Are going. I'd like him in center, but I wish I saw more. Saw more, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's almost like you know he's almost like looking at an opt out at the center position because again, only four games there, but mm-hmm. he can do it. Uh, you know, there were times when he did it not knowing that he was going to. You know, people prepare all throughout the week to play one position and not playing center. Mm-hmm. And now it's all he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of it is the day you draft him, you say you're a center, get used to it, snap yeah. out. You know. Uh, and it's not that much of a conversion, assuming he can handle it mentally, which I have no doubts he can. Now, one guy we hadn't talked a lot about that they drafted in the fourth round was Dan Moore. Yeah. And he, he kind of got lost in the shuffle in this year's offensive did. tackle class. A good way of putting it. Um, because there were just so many. You couldn't you know, you know, couldn't mm-hmm. mention them all. No, and we didn't mention them often. Um, some things stand out. A couple things stand out with all these guys. We can go back and do you know, some themes of the draft. But – I, th- I know he came to A&M as a guard, and he probably could do that, but I think he's a tackle all day He's long. got a, a pure tackle body. Yeah. yeah. He's a little bit leaner, light green. He's he's good in space. He's a good athlete. I think you're going to see more outside zone than we're used to seeing in the run game. Long arms, certainly the frame to handle it, but also well, a lot of experience as well. So a project in terms of getting stronger, filling out a little bit, but – He's been around the block at the uh, high level too. In the SEC, at the SEC, yeah. Uh, you know, people look at Texas A and M, and they don't, they still don't think SEC. Mm. That's where they play their games at. They're playing Alabama. They're playing Georgia. They're playing right, all right. those LSU. All uh, those edge rushers. Yeah. Um, same thing with Buddy Johnson. I, he was a guy that uh, you know I started to mention a little bit late in the pro, uh, in the process of mm-hmm. uh, a guy, one of these inside two hundred linebackers, two hundred thirty pounds that can run. Oh yeah. Um, is a, is a good form tackler, just needs to get better in coverage. Yeah, and I think this we talked about this a week or two ago. Just because you time well in the forty doesn't mean you're good in coverage, and he needs work to do in that regard. And I don't know if he plays quite the the speed he times. Yeah, but I think he's certainly a more athletic version of Vince Williams. I mean, he loves to come downhill and thumb. He likes to come downhill. He is really aggressive, um, leader, tough, all those things. Also has a lot of experience. He sets up to be a demon on special teams, too. Yeah, this is something that, you know, again, you didn't have. Um, no. You didn't have another linebacker, not counting Ulysses Gilbert, uh, who could run in the same neighborhood as Devin Bush. Right, right. You he's know. different than the other guys yeah. we have there. I mean, not that he's all the greatest traits, but he's somewhere between Williams and Bush. Yeah. You know, on the spectrum. Uh, they then trade up in the fifth round. Um, trading that took me by shock. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, but they traded surprise, traded yeah. the fourth round pick from uh, next season to move up and get Isaiah Loudermilk. And you know, I know a lot of people looked at that and said, "Well, I, he wasn't he wasn't listed on so and so's draft guide or this no, guy." I didn't know much about him. this guy had him as a you know un, undrafted free agent stuff like that. 
He's listed at 6'7", 293 pounds. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of bit bodies types like that. Yeah, we, you and I haven't talked about this much, but that's the true old-school LeBeau 3-4 yeah. defensive end body type guys. They almost all get moved to tackle now. Right. You know, it's hard to find defenders that fit those dimensions. So that's a start. I mean, I bet they were working off a short list and there. And they didn't have to project here because he had no, played that defense. Yeah. yeah, he had played that at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They have a good foundation with the the staff at Wisconsin with Paul Christ. That, to me, is the key. Yeah. If this was from some school that there was just Joe Blow, I'd kind of roll my eyes at it. And, and frankly, I think next year's fourth round will be a lot better than this year's fifth round. I mean, I'm totally guessing. I don't know who's in next year's draft, but it's going to be a deeper draft, you know. But because of that Wisconsin connection, I bet that's an ace up their sleeve. You know, I mean, I bet they knew something. And here's the thing. When you look at to give up what they did to the late-round guys that they've gotten recently mm-hmm. or the, even the undrafted free agent in Henry Mondu, when you're taking a, a defensive lineman in rounds six or seven, yeah. he's not 6'7". No. He's no, not, right, he's right, not right. a 6'7", 300-pounder. He's a 6'3", 300-pounder. Mm-hmm. He's not your ideal prospect. Right. At the at the position, and I know times have changed, but I even had this conversation with Kevin way back when. Like back when they were Lebeau three four, you know, and the world's changed a lot. You had to be six four and a half or four or more. Yeah, you know, we're not even looking at you, you know, for that position with long arms. And they got that guy. I mean, is he a perfect athlete? No. I went back and watched him a fair amount last night. He's productive. I mean, yeah. he's in on a lot of plays. Lower body's a little stiff, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, but they'll coach him up, and, and yeah, you know. Um, Again, if he works into the rotation, if he's getting 10 snaps a game at some point this season. If he can spell Hayward and do it while he learns, that'd be good. Um, In the sixth round, I think they got what I considered their steal uh, of Mm -hmm. the draft. Quincy Roche being available in the sixth round. The sixth round was often where when we were doing our mock drafts. It was no man's Where we would take one of those best edge rushers available. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was never Quincy Roche being No, there. right. We always considered him in the fourth or so. Yeah. Talk about his role for next year. Maybe it's optimistic because he is a six-round pick. I mean, no matter what we say or, what you know, I think he should be the third outside linebacker. Without a doubt, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he'll win that job early, and that's immense value. Absolutely. I mean, right. I think he gets 10 to 15 snaps a game. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. Right, right, right. I you mean, know. I don't think there's a lot in his way. And plays a lot in special teams. and do, yeah, you know, yeah. I, think, I think there's a definite role there, and you're talking about a six-rounder with a defined role. See, I don't know that Moore, Loudermilk, the other guys we talk about are high-quality football players. Right. I know he is. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, right. I already know that about him. Is He's really good at well, playing And, the and that's the right thing, now. too, is that you had to look at here because when you have a draft like this where you take, okay, Najee Harris isn't playing any special teams. No. Pat Fryermuth, maybe I mean, here or there, but not a lot. Maybe I mean, he's probably on field goal team. He might be out there on, on on your kick on your kick return or something maybe, like that. Maybe. Uh, as one of the up guys. You're not getting but, much out of him there. Yeah. Though. Kendra Green, no. No, neither one of those guys. Dan Moore, no. No. Uh, Buddy Johnson will play special teams. Maybe as well as anyone on the team. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's going to be a star there. Loudermilk, no. No. Good point. Um, so Roche, yes. I mean, you oh, you, yeah. you had to get some guys that you know, especially rookies that can can handle that because they're going to be core special teamers. We saw it with T.J. Watt the year he he was drafted in the first round as a linebacker. He's a starter and he's playing all the special teams. Yeah, right. I mean, first round pick. Yeah, it's yeah. a first round pick. These guys are going to play. Yeah, they're going to play. 
Yeah, I mean, I expect Roche to be active on game day, to be getting rotational snaps right off the bat, be on every special team. Yeah. I mean, by the time you count up his his defensive snaps and special team snaps, he's over thirty snaps a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a sixth round pick, right? I mean, no, that's one of my that's favorite good value. Picks, pound yeah. for pound, yeah, probably is my favorite pick, pound for pound. Uh, in the seventh round, then they take Trey Norwood, the uh, cornerback safety out of. Uh, Have you got any more inclination? Oklahoma. What they're going to do with him? I mean, I would think he's in the he's in the mix to be the nickel. Uh, he did a lot of that at uh, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, I mean, I thought he'd probably be a, a nickel corner, but yeah. is he a safety? Is he a corner? You know, they they brought in a lot of undrafted guys too that are defensive backs. So they just they threw a lot at the at the wall. That's exactly what it feels yeah. like. It's starting with him. They and may find the, one there. The, the guy, I, the the most interesting one there to me was Mark Gilbert, uh, the kid out of Duke. Oh, the Duke kid. Yeah, okay. He's only played four games the last yeah, two yeah, years, yeah. but in 2018, uh, he played the full season and had five interceptions. Uh, can is big and can run. Yeah. Um, his uncle's Sean Gilbert. Ah, uh, so there's okay. some there's some bloodlines there. Who there of course that also ties him in with Ty Law and Darrell Rivas, Darrell Rivas, all right, those right, all right, those right. Aliquippa Quips. guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some there's some pedigree there. Yeah, I feel that I didn't I didn't recognize the name off the top of my head, but yeah, I did know that story. And boy, that seems like a Steeler move all day long. Yeah, but there it, and he had injury issues the last two years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, um, and there have been some strange years, obviously yeah. too. So yeah, and you also throw Shakir Brown in there. He was the brand name guy, but yeah, there's I mean, a lot we were, of defensive backs coming to camp. We had him in the mix the there same. when you're looking at yeah. those, you know, sixth, seventh round guys, and Shakir Brown stood out, and mm-hmm. they got him anyways. And those undrafted guys, I don't know if they have any leg down, uh, you know, against the the drafted dude either. I mean, yeah, throw them all in the mix, see who stands out. Yeah, if the seventh rounder doesn't make it, I mean, there's really not there's much no different. Yeah, right. Other than if you get to pick the guy that you wanted, which leads us to. The punter in the seventh round. Yeah, right. They got the guy that they wanted. People said, "Well, I, I've gotten the question: Why did they waste a pick on a punter?" Well, they've Why tried. Waste a pick. They've tried to sign punters after the draft mm-hmm. in previous years, and those guys said, "No, I'm going to sign with Team B here because a, they're either the... offering me more money, or I have a better situation that I'm going to, yeah. or I want to stay in the South, or whatever oh, right, it may right, be." Right. I got a buddy on the team, or whatever yeah. the reason is. I don't know much about the punting market in the rookies this year. I know nothing about it. I know about this guy because the Steelers drafted him. But as a rule of thumb, there's two – it's like the center conversation. There's two or three that are one of the best 32 in the world. And people want them as undrafted yeah. free agents. And you have to compete. And ten teams out there aren't happy with their punter or would gladly downsize in terms to of – To save like cash or – right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So – I think it makes perfect sense, especially in a draft that wasn't very deep. The yeah. seventh rounder is available. I mean, in the seventh round, it, with that last pick, they might have taken Shakira Brown. Probably. Well, they have. got him anyway. They probably would have. They were right, probably, right. in fact, that was pretty much announced. The Shakira Brown signing was. I'm not even sure the draft was over. It was. <laughs> it was like a second. It was yeah, wrapping the, up. The that second day. it was over, so I'm sure when that seventh, I'm sure they were on the phone with him. Oh, for or, two or rounds, at least with his agent. In the seventh round, when they made yeah. both of those picks, I don't know who his agent is. Yeah. But probably somebody they've dealt with a lot. And, they say, know, "Hey, right. look, if we don't draft him here, we'd like to sign him, mm-hmm. and he'll have a real shot to make the team." And he's got a great shot to yeah. make the team. We we wanted to draft a corner; it didn't work that way. He's I mean, we're going to treat him like he's a fourth or fifth round pick, which is where you saw him. Yeah. So they got some real value on day two, I thought. Uh, yeah. Or day three, I should say. Um, you know, you, they took the the lineman. That everybody wanted them. Hey, gotta go get a lineman. Gotta get lineman. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got Another lineman. Tackle the mix is great. Yeah, 
Uh, of course, the other undrafted guys, uh, Lamont Wade from Clareton, little mm-hmm. under, undersized safety. Uh, 5'9", 180 is a little light yeah, to play. Light side. To I wonder play. if he's going to play slot. Potentially, because he did run a four four five. Now yeah. he, he wasn't super productive though, Mm-mm. but he was a he was a five star prospect. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, but it's great to bring him to camp. See yeah, what he is at this stage. I did like the the uh, offensive or the outside linebackers that they okay. got as well. Jamar Watson was a guy that uh, came up on our our drafts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At times, and then Calvin Bundage out of Oklahoma State as well. Bundage is more of a Inside backer, he played outside backer for for uh, Oklahoma State, but he's uh, he's born off the ball guy. Six yeah. foot, two hundred twenty one pounds. Yeah, he's had seven guy. and a half sacks though last year. Did he really? Yeah. So okay. there, there's some there's some buzz there's there's some juice there. No, there are a lot uh, of defensive guys, obviously. Yeah, uh, we mentioned Mark Gilbert. Uh, actually, I said five interceptions in 2017. It was six in hmm. 2017. So. I bet he makes his team. The more I think about it, there's a good chance. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, he's practice squad, but bigger right. guy that can run and yeah. you know has good hands. Obviously, um, then you're looking at uh, Rico Bussey um, or Busey. I'm not sure. I don't sure. know much about the two receivers. Yeah, but I've heard good things about both. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know, know much. The Y guy I saw a lot of people saying, "Boy, I thought he was going to get picked." Yeah, um, and Isaiah McCoy is the other one out of uh, Kent State. Okay, got their Kent State guy. He was very productive, actually. In just four games last year, because the max season was kind of weird. Yeah, it was strange. Uh, 25 catches for 455 yards and five touchdowns. Hmm. Um, in four games, that's yeah, right. That's pretty <laughs> productive. <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't run real well at his, at his pro day. I think he was in the four sixes. But, again, he's 6'2", 200 pounds, so a bigger wide receiver. Yeah. Um, that I think they did well with their – and I don't know this, but you've talked about it before. You know, they signed five guys – before the draft, and I wonder if they just spent a little more. You, I mean, like how my year with the Browns, I had ten thousand dollars to spend on wide receivers. Yeah. like they give you a budget, and well, you can go further for eight guys. Yeah, than well, they, yeah, guys they only needed they right, only needed right. they, they only needed eight. So instead mm-hmm. of signing the fifteen, twelve to fifteen that they usually doing, so well, we can we can allot the same amount of money. Yeah, but and you tell we're only getting two eight receivers. Hey, we had draftable grades on you guys. We have an unbelievable history of evaluating receivers. We didn't draft anyone there. We got two guys who's about to hit free agency a year from now. It's a pretty attractive spot for a receiver. Too. Yeah, they also got uh, Florida safety Donovan Steiner, okay, uh, who was productive uh, is a uh, in last season as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, there were more name. There was more name value in the undrafted guys. In the undrafted really, guys yeah. than they typically have. Yeah, because it's a smaller pool and they they got to handpick them a little bit more. Um, usually, I kind of. Not brush it off, but don't pay a whole lot of attention to who the, the group is. But this is a an easier one to decipher, and I think people need to be aware of who they are. Shakir Brown's the obvious name. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Gilbert's a guy I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, with, right. Uh, there's some. You'll be writing some stories about him too. I'm there's sure. some upside there for sure. Uh, of course, today as well, the Steelers de- declined to pick up the fifth year Let, option. Let's hold on that for a second because there's okay. a couple trends I mentioned I think are that stand out with this team. Is first of all. Everyone they drafted is from a big school. First time in a while that they've had a draft from all yeah. power conferences. Everybody played football last year. As I say, the other thing, <laughs> no one opted out. You know, I mean, they have more information from big schools than ever. Tough and physical. It really stood out at just about every position. And a lot of versatility, too. A lot of these guys can do more than one thing, play more than one position, well-rounded. and Don't need to come off the field. No. And I think that they're more so than some other Steeler drafts. 
I bet there's a lot of rookie snaps next year. You know, there's a yeah. lot of opportunity for um, early playing time. Obviously, the first pick and the last pick go without saying if right. the punter wins the job. But there's a lot of chances that this is the highest rookie number of snaps that the team gets. Oh, know, it, it wouldn't time. surprise me at all if, if Fryer Muth outsnaps Ebron Ebron this year. I could see it. Just be, I mean, you know, Ebron. Let's say you got a thousand. Uh, maybe more than that this year because of the 17 games. But let's say so. Let's say it's 1,100 mm-hmm. offensive snaps. They're going to play some together. Oh yeah, but it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if Fryermuth ends up with 700 snaps and Ebron's at 500. Wouldn't either, especially if you. I mean, especially late in the season. I mean, if he continues to get better and better and better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I think some people look at him as a backup, which I think is wrong. I think he's a, a different, not a different style, but somewhat different style. I mean. I think there'll be a lot of snaps when one tight end on field, and it's not always going to be Ebron being that guy. Right, I know? agree. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, because Firemuth gives you a lot of the same matchup issues. Right, and he's more physical, yeah. and you know he will line up. On... He, he probably doesn't run quite as well as no, Ebron, but Ebron doesn't well. run quite as well as he did when he came into the league. That's he was no. a top ten pick in the league for a reason. Oh yeah, yeah, he had a great forty and all those yeah. things too. So I think they'll play a lot together. I think he'll be the single tight end quite a bit, too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, moving on to the uh, draft from a few yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. Terrell Edmonds' uh, 50-year option not picked up. That would have been $6.75 million. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Um, it, I looked at it as, well, I mean, that's kind of the going rate mm-hmm. uh, for starting safety. It is a little shock. It is and it isn't. Right. Um, it might be more of a you know a high end safety. They're going to have to be negotiating with Minka Fitzpatrick here soon as well mm-hmm. with on a new deal. Not this year, but you know after next year. Um, and you, you may they may have looked at that and said you know if we're going to pay Minka ten twelve million dollars a year, which would probably be the going rate for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, can you afford then to pay Terrell Edmonds six point seven five? Because that's going to be if we if we give him that fifty year option, that's the jumping off point. That's yeah. where the negotiations begin at. If it's really I'm his like agent, a franchise tag. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't give it to him, and then the the agent can't come back and say, "Well, you gave him six point seven five last year, so mm-hmm. that's what we that's where we want to start at." Now you can start those negotiations. Hey, how about five? That's what I was going <laughs> to say. Like if I were them right now, I might go to the agent and say, "How about two years for nine million? Okay. Right now, yeah. I mean, if I were him, I'd strongly consider it with a, a decent bonus, you know, a chunk of that guaranteed or the majority of it guaranteed. Get him for two more years. Um, I mean, I think. And you just sell it to him with what I just said. Hey, look, we got to pay Minka. We got to pay TJ. Mm-hmm. You're obviously third in that pecking order, and we like you. We like you. you a lot. We're yeah. paying you decent money. Two year deal. You know, a lot of job security. You, you just know. saw Sean Davis. Uh, you know, wash out as a second. You, round he pick. started. He started next to you there for a year and. What happened with him? Mm-hmm. So right, you start bouncing around the league. You don't know how it's going to work. What's your value on the open market? What's the cap going to look like? You know, yeah, we got some money right now. All right, you want ten over two? Okay. Yeah. What we'll do it that. doesn't mean to me is that uh, you know people are automatically jumping on. See, this was a bad pick. They he, they didn't pick up his option. They they think he stinks. That's not the case. No, I don't think that's the case. I mean, if Minka didn't exist, or if they just had Joe average free safety there, maybe they'd have picked it up. Or this story's not done yet either. No, this is just is just right. a chapter in the book. Right, right, right. That uh, you know we're going to continue to look at here. Um, 
the whole league had to make those decisions. Was today the deadline? Today was the deadline. Okay. It was the third. So a lot of different guys from that first round uh, did or did not get their their uh, options picked up. Uh, I did want to talk about that, but we'll do that in the next segment. Okay. Not so, a lot of surprises, yeah. but it is interesting how the how the league thinks and how that draft class looks now. You know, draft grades are so stupid, but we could grade that draft now. We could. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And oh, the absolutely. Tells you. Yeah, they tell you a lot, but. Uh, That's going to do it for this segment of The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. So for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob Recht here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lally. We thank you for listening to The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.